everything can change in an instant. Isn't that true? Haven't you found that in even your own life? Everything can change like that. I'll never forget the day when I was working on campus at Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo. I've shared this story with some of you. It was a few years ago, though, so you may not remember, and many will not have ever heard this story. I was working there on campus, and uh, my phone rang. It was my wife on the other line. We'd been married at this point for probably, I think, about maybe four or five years. And uh, we had found out uh, a couple years earlier from doctors that uh, they said there, there's really almost no chance for you guys to be able to have children. It was a bit of a shock to us for sure, but then to our great surprise, our joyful, wonderful, overwhelmingly happy surprise, Natalie got pregnant. We, we were overjoyed. We were thrilled. We, we planned out this very special reveal, this baby reveal to our family. We were over the moon. And then I got that phone call. Barely through the tears, my wife was able to say, I need you to come home. It's the baby. At that point, we were young, poor, and in ministry. And so I didn't even have a car. I busted around KW to get everywhere. And so I hung up the phone and I rushed outside to get to the bus stop to wait. To wait and to wait and to wait. To get onto the bus and what seemed like the most arduous drive you could ever imagine. I swear, I'm sure it wasn't the truth, but every stop, someone kept pulling that little ding, ding, ding. And I just wanted to stand up and shout at the bus driver, like, would you hurry up and just get there? But you can't do that on a city bus. So finally I got to the stop and I ran from it through the door into the house to find my wife curled up in a ball, lying on her bed, bawling. Everything can change in an instant. This morning, as we gather together to unite our hearts and reflect on Easter, I want to lead us into God's Word, His perfect holy Word to look at one particular woman's journey on this day, the first day of Easter, obviously 2,000 years ago, and how she went on this roller coaster ride of everything in an instant changing. Her name was Mary. Mary Magdalene. She was from this town called Magdala. It was a, a small fishing village right on the lake, on the Sea of Galilee in ancient Israel. And we first meet Mary actually in Luke's recording of Jesus' life in Luke chapter 8. We, we see this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women 
who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them, that's Jesus and his disciples, out of their own means. Mary from Magdala had evidently done pretty well for herself. We, we don't know whether she was kind of a, a local entrepreneur or whether she came from a family with some means, but, but she had done pretty well financially for herself. She had quite a bit of money in the bank, but as we all know, don't we? Money doesn't fix everything, does it? Mary had a hard past, despite all the money that might have been in her bank account. A hard life. It says here that she was overcome with seven demons. We don't know all the ins and outs of the details of this, but we can certainly infer the, the weight and the devastation, the destruction and the challenge, the darkness and the despair that she went through. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, the cloud that was over top of her, her life, perhaps for years, trying to get out from under it, but feeling like there is no hope at the end of the tunnel. There is no light to get out to. How do I even continue on? Is this ever going to end? I don't know if I can even keep going. You ever been there? Maybe it wasn't a bunch of demons and evil spirits. We don't really talk about that too much these days, do we? But have you ever been there? Have you ever been alongside of someone in the midst of that sort of cloud of despair, heaviness and darkness, no way out, I don't know how I'm ever going to get through sort of moment, season, that goes from days to weeks to months to years? This is Mary's journey until one day she encounters this traveling preacher. This traveling preacher, healer, who spoke right into her heart, right into her soul in a way that no one else had ever done before to shine light into the darkest of dark recesses of her heart like she had never experienced before, that cast off the shackles of despair, that gave her dancing shoes of freedom, that set her heart free like a, a bird released from the cage, to finally live. It changed so much in Mary's life meeting Jesus. It changed so much that she, she left her hometown of Magdala walked away from whatever the business ties were there and said, you know what? I'm going to join this band of, of people that are following, these men and women that are going along with this Jesus guy. I have to go with him. I have to see and hear more from him. Look at what he's done to my life. I can just imagine hearing this in my ears from her lips. He's done so much for me. He's changed everything in my life. If there's anything I can do to help other people experience what I have, oh, I will do it. And so she goes with him. Not only does she go and tag along with him, but she begins to actually use the money that she has to help Jesus go around and help anybody and everybody 
to hear the good news, to experience the kind of hope and healing and light into the darkness that she tasted and saw. And so for months, maybe even for a year or two, that's what she did. And everything was so sweet, so amazing, so wonderful getting to walk with Jesus. And then the phone rang. And then Friday came. Friday came, and she was there to watch it all go down. The Gospel of John records in John 19.25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. She was there as her precious preacher was beat to a pulp. She was there as her miraculous redeemer was humiliated and tortured. She was there as her life-changing healer was thrown into all the darkness and even more that she had lived under for years. She was there right at Golgotha watching Jesus when the sun went dark. She was there when the earth shook. She was there when Jesus cried out in agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? She was there as the crowds hurled insult and mockery at him. She was there as he bowed his head and breathed his last. She was there as the soldiers thrust the spear into his side and water and blood gushed out. She was there. She was there. She was there through all of it. Her heart and soul, like a glass vase, dropped on a cement floor and smashed to a million pieces. The one who had given her hope and shone light into her darkness and healing into her helplessness destroyed before her very eyes. Worse than like a carpet ripped out from under your feet, this is like a a knife right into the soul. And for what feels like an eternity, she waits. Everybody waits. Because the Sabbath day is the next day. Passover is to be celebrated. You can't do anything And so silence sets in. You know the kind of silence that is so silent it's deafening? It was so, I am absolutely certain it was so much worse than what I went through standing at that bus stop, but I feel like I got a little teeny tiny taste in that moment of what it must have been like for Mary. Waiting, waiting, waiting. The 
The heartache is tangible. The grief is so heavy. That pit in your stomach that feels like you've gotten punched in the gut and you just can't even get a breath out. Did she start to spiral back into the darkness that she had been in before? Two days of waiting, two days of silence. Then on the third, at the break of dawn, before the break of dawn, she can't even wait any longer. She can't hold herself back. She wakes up, gets dressed, and heads for the cemetery. She's got to do something for her Savior. She's got to do something for this one who did so much for her. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, she could, she could bring some spices to be able to help him have a proper burial. To adorn his body. And we read in John 20, verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. It was something at least, right? It was something to be able to, to touch him to be able to show one final sign of respect to him. To be able to honor him even though he had been humiliated and mocked and tortured and killed and all these lies thrown against him. She knew what was really true about him. She knew what he was able to do and it was something. And then it got worse. And it got even worse. She gets to the tomb and the stone is rolled away and the body's gone. I mean, isn't it enough that they, they mocked him and ridiculed him and humiliated him and killed him and now they're going to steal his body and they won't even let him be buried and honored? Mary Magdalene, it says, went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance and so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord. They've taken him out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. What have they done with him now? It's just too, it's just too much. It's just too much. Peter and John rushed to the tomb to see for themselves to try and find the body. I'm sure it was on Peter's mind. I've got to solve this problem. If you know anything about Peter. But he's gone. Mary slowly kind of follows in the tracks of Peter and John. And after they've... She wasn't lying and they leave not being able to find the body. Mary is left there with the sun just beginning to crest over the horizon, the dew on the grass all around, standing completely alone outside of that tomb. Outside of that empty grave. And verse 11 says, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. It was all just too much. It's too much. She just stood there weeping, wailing, frozen, alone. 
Have you ever lost somebody that's like really close to you? I don't know if it's like a child, a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a really good friend. Have you? One of the realities of the calling of this job as a pastor is walking alongside people in those days, those final days, those final moments. Thursday, one of our own went to be with the Lord. Walking alongside some of you, even, as you have walked through that in the last number of years. And there's this moment that, if you've ever been there, and I've seen more than a few times, you just, the tears, the weeping, the sadness, the grief, is all so heavy, and it's like, it, it can't be over, but it's over. This can't be it, but this is it. moments. That's Mary weeping. (sighs) And then, I don't know why, doesn't say, I don't know if she heard something, I don't know if she saw a little something, but something leads her to bend down and look in. As she wept, it says in verse 11, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white. That word that we have in our English Bibles translated as saw doesn't nearly capture the original language word here. The the original word here, it's like, behold, bam! Like she saw something. Like eyes go like wide, right? She looks inside and there's these two guys in shining white. Like just shining as bright as the sun, lightning all of a sudden beaming out from inside of the grave. And, and, and she asks, they, they hear her crying and the two angels in white, it says in verse 12, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at his head, one at his foot, They ask her, woman, why are you crying? They see her sobbing. They they hear her crying. They see how swollen her eyes are from from two days of sobbing and just all of the weight of the despair on her. Why are you crying? And And she gives this reply. Part of me wants to be like, why wouldn't you be like, whoa, who are you? But she doesn't go there. She she says, they've taken my Lord. I don't know where they've put him. He's gone. He's gone. My Lord is gone. And I don't know where he is. He changed my life. The one who helped me when no one else ever did or could. He's gone. He's gone. And I just want to see him one last time. I just want to hold him one last time. But he's gone. And just as she's saying this, she senses something else, someone else. 
Verse 14, at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. I am sure this is all just kind of like a giant blur. Her eyes are swollen. She's in shock. It's all happening so fast. So many emotions going on. So many feelings swirling around. This man approaches her from behind. She turns. She sees him, but she's also probably like, you know, but I just don't want to be seen. And so she sees him, but she doesn't realize who it is. She doesn't get a sense of who this is quite at this moment yet. And so she, she, she turns, she sees him, she like, you know, I don't know if she kind of covers her eyes or something like that. And then he speaks. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? The same question directed towards this sobbing woman alone as the sun is just coming up. Thinking, verse 15 says, he was the gardener. Sir, if you have carried him away, can you please just tell me where you have put him and I will get him? And then wait. Wait for it. Wait for it. Mary. Not, not the generic at a distance woman. Mary, her name. Her name, that voice, that name, immediately she knows exactly who it is. It can't be. There's no way. I was there. I saw them beat him. I saw them hang him. I saw him hang his head. I saw him get pierced. I saw them take him down. But I heard, I know it's him. It can't be. She immediately turns now right towards him and cries out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. It doesn't just mean teacher. It means my teacher, my teacher, my savior, my it's you. I don't know how it's possible, but it's you. You're alive. You're alive. And she grabs onto him. And she clings to him. And now the tears are coming, but for an totally different reason. It can't be, but it is. He's alive. He's alive. How everything can change in an instant, friends. How everything can change in but a moment. He's alive. She was there when he was beaten and nailed and hung and cried out and died and pierced. She was there. She saw it all with her own two eyes. But in an instant, everything has changed. The one who is dead is now alive. The one who was crushed has now been restored. The one who he thought was defeated is actually victorious. Can you imagine that moment? Can you try with me? I'm trying to bring you into the text to just get yourself in and imagine that feeling, that moment for this woman and how everything, everything changed in that moment holding on to Jesus in, his, in her arms, alive, the shock, the awe, the wonder, the amazement, the worship, the joy, the peace, the celebration, in an instant, everything has changed. He's alive. He's alive. He has conquered death, and he is alive. 
And over these next few hours and next few days, this is what happens over and over and over as more and more, like Mary, encounter him. We see in Luke 24, verse 13, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them, uh, along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. They walked and talked for quite a while here. It's getting close to the end of the day, and so they invite him in to have dinner with them. He agrees, and then we read this, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then in that moment... Their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but then he disappeared from their sight and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The overflowing shock and awe and wonder and joy and worship and celebration. He's alive. Could it be? Did we just see him? On that very evening, John chapter 20, verse 19, the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed, understatement of the century, when they saw the Lord. He's alive, he's alive, we saw him. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, doubting Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and touch and put it into my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God, you're alive. Everything can change in an instant. He's alive. He's alive for Mary, for Peter, for James, for John, for Thomas, for the 12 of them, and so many others. In that instant, they came to see that Jesus had not just come and lived and taught and done some miracles and gathered a crowd and then died. No, death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. He's alive. He's alive, friends, today. We gather together here today, and I stand up here today to declare to you that everything can change in an instant, not just for Peter and James and John and Mary and Thomas and the Twelve, but for you and for me. In an instant, everything can change because He is alive. He's alive. Today, right here, right now, everything in your life can change because Jesus is alive. He came, hear this, to take away the darkness and shine light into your life today, my friends. He came to take the penalty of all your wrong and forgive all of it, friends. He came to set you free from the chains of addiction, so that you can live in freedom and hope. He came to give you a new heart 
that is not stuck in the mire of sin, but is alive and is pointed towards Jesus. He came to make your adoption into the family of God possible. He came to give the promise of eternal life. He came to take away the sting of sin and death, and he came to promise you a home forever in heaven for all of eternity because he is alive. He's alive. John 6, 40, Jesus said this many days before his death, but looking ahead to what was going to come. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Today, right here, right now, everything can change in an instant because Jesus is alive. And so as you have come into today and this Easter morning and this church service, I know we come from all kinds of different spots in our own journeys. There are some of you who are here today who are like, yeah, I know, and I've believed, and I've given my life to him. And do you know what today is, friend, if that's you? Whether it was a couple weeks ago or a couple decades ago, today is the day where you celebrate and you rejoice and you say, thank you, God, for the hope that I can have because everything has changed because Jesus is alive and today's a day to celebrate, brother, sister. Some of you have come in today and you've made that decision and maybe it was a couple months ago or maybe it was a bunch of decades ago. Truth be told, if we were really honest, and church is a good place to be honest, right? You could point to that day. You could point to that decision but you've walked away from it. This last season of life has been just for you. Jesus has been kind of left in the rear view mirror. And you're here today for whatever reason. Maybe it's what you keep doing because you're supposed to check off the religious boxes or because some family dragged you out. or I don't know why. But you're here today And you can point to that moment, but can I say to you, if that's where you are, friend, today can be the day where you can make that recommitment to say, yeah, I remember, but I got astray. I went off course. I got caught up in all the other things than Jesus. But today, oh God, if this is really true, and I know it's true, I do know it's true, but I've forgotten, please, I want to come back to you, God, and God will welcome you with open arms today, friends. Everything today can change again in an instant if you run back into the arms of Jesus. There are some today who you've, you've been around all of this church stuff. And you know all these stories and, and you were like, yeah, you just kept dragging on that story, but I knew there was going to be a twist at the end. This is no shock for me. Been there, done that. But yet, there's something missing, isn't there? You know there's something missing. You know all the stories, you know all the things, you do all the boxes, but there's still this gap, and you can't figure out why. Why are all these other people seeming to have this joy and this life change and this this and this and this, and why is it that they've got it, but, but it just feels like, and do you know what the problem very well may be? There's about a 12-inch problem between here and here. 
Because Jesus didn't just come to give you some head knowledge, friend. For you to be able to sit there, stand here, come in, go through the motions and say, yeah, I know all the right answers. He came to change everything. When you would lay everything down. When you would come to him and say, I not only know that you died on the cross, but I want to give my life that you might change everything in me. I want the kind of hope that Mary had. I want the kind of change that Mary experienced. Oh, today can be that day, if that is you today. Maybe you're here today, and you've been on this spiritual journey, and you know this is all just so new. But you're like, if this is possibly true, I know I've got lots of questions to wrestle through. I get it. I know there's still lots to work out. Okay. But if what this guy up here is saying, I remember that day, July 26, 2001, I remember sitting in a spot just like you and thinking, God, if that guy on the stage is really right, I want what he's talking about. And can I tell you in an instant, everything changed? Today, in this instant, everything can change. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you are walking through, whatever your journey has been that brought you in these doors today, friends, hear this loud and clear. He was dead, but now he's alive, and everything can change. Let's pray. Gracious God, what a glorious day this is that we get to gather together and remember, celebrate, and fix our eyes upon Jesus and to declare and to sing and to rejoice in the fact that everything can change because death has been defeated. The grave could not keep him, but Jesus is alive. God, thank you for these amazing stories and examples that we find ourselves so much in line with, like Mary, that point us to this glorious truth that it doesn't just need to be for them at a distance a long time ago. But this can be news for us today right here. God, Holy Spirit, I pray that you be working on hearts right now. You know where each one of us are at. You know the journeys that we are each walking through. You know where we find ourselves as we walk in here today. And I just pray. I ask, oh God, on behalf of every single person in this room, however young or old, stir up their hearts with this amazing truth of what you have done for us on the cross, Jesus. God, how you displayed your love through Christ. Holy Spirit, apply these truths to our hearts. Let us cry out to you today with sincere hearts and thank you that you are a God who never turns away from anyone who cries out to you in faith.